Well, it's Christmas morning, morning of the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, as Christians have done on this day for centuries, millennia. That certainly makes this morning a special morning for us as we gather together on a Sunday on the Lord's Day to celebrate his birth. But it's also a special morning because it's the last worship service of Cross and Crown Church in this building. And that, too, certainly marks this day out as being special, unlike all the rest. The fact that it's Christmas morning most likely fills us with delight and joy, special times with family and friends. The fact that this is our last worship service in this building likely fills us with a strange mix of emotions. We're excited to get to our new space, to be sure, to all worship together in the same room. Amen? In one service like we haven't been able to do for 15 years. But we're also this morning likely experiencing some, dip, some significant sadness as we think about the reality of moving on from this place. And our minds, as Pastor Rob mentioned, are likely flooded with all kinds of memories, sweet memories, difficult memories perhaps. To be sure, the church is not a building, but the church does inhabit physical space. And these physical spaces serve us and serve the church. They are spaces where memories are made, spaces that feel comfortable and familiar to us, spaces where momentous spiritual decisions have been made, where the word of God has been taught and the gospel proclaimed, where our friends and family members have been baptized and we've witnessed their baptisms and their Confessions of faith, where weddings and funerals have taken place, where we have laughed together and cried together and prayed together and served one another. We've made great memories here, have we not, church? We've lived life together here for many, many years. We've shared our lives together here. No, the church is not a building, but buildings are a primary place where the church meets and worships and prays and serves. And therefore, buildings are not insignificant. Buildings matter. And this building is not insignificant to us. For almost the entire 50 years of our existence as a church, the church has gathered here on this property. And in this building to worship Jesus Christ and to love one another in Jesus' name. So this building is not insignificant to us. Like a beloved childhood home, church buildings have a way of endearing themselves to us and into our hearts, becoming in some strange way a part of who we are. So on this same Christmas morning, we're filled with joy and delight, and yet we also feel a measure of sadness and maybe even a measure of Dare I say, grief. For many, this strange mix of emotions on Christmas is all too familiar. Joy intermingled with grief. If you've lived very long, you've experienced the loss of a loved one who isn't present at Christmas. The empty chair around the table. 
And so while Christmas in these instances still brings joy and delight, it also brings with it a measure of sadness and grief. So what are we to do in such times? What are we to do on such a morning as this? What are we to do with such a strange mix of emotions? What are we to do on such a Christmas morning? My answer, and more importantly, the Bible's answer, is this. On such a morning, give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. In every circumstance, under every situation, it is always good and right to give thanks to God. There is always reason to give thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In every circumstance, with every emotion, there is always something for which we can give God thanks. Even in our sorrows, even in our griefs, for God is using even those things we know for our good. Notice that this gratitude from 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is set in the context of the gospel. Giving thanks in everything is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it is a gospel-informed gratitude. It is a gratitude birthed by gospel realities. Gratitude fueled by the gospel. Gospel gratitude that flavors and colors every other experience, every other emotion, every other circumstance, whether joyful or sorrowful. Gratitude to God is always appropriate, and it always sets us in the right frame of mind. It has a way of aligning us with the way things truly are, the way things God has revealed to us in his word. Gospel gratitude is powerful. Gospel gratitude helps us to rightly inform our victories and temper our losses. Gospel gratitude keeps us from making idols out of what we have, what we want, and what we have lost. Gospel gratitude acknowledges that God is at work at all times, and it humbly submits to the truth that he gives and takes away according to his perfect wisdom and will. Gospel gratitude acknowledges that God is working all things together for our good. So we can give thanks during the joyous times and the hard times, times of celebration and times of sorrow, times of gain and times of grief. Gospel gratitude is always the right prescription. In a sense, gratitude is the Christian's spiritual cure-all. It'll cure what ails you. This is true on Christmas morning, and it's especially true on the Christmas morning when we are sharing together our last worship service together in this special place. So to help us grow in gospel gratitude this morning, I want us to just for a few minutes meditate on 2 Corinthians 9.15 and then 2 Corinthians 8.9. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. It'll be on the screen behind me in case you don't have your Bible this morning. 
probably in lost and found. You might want to pick it up on your way out. <laughs> Second Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God's gift to us in his son truly is indescribable. By indescribable, we don't mean to say that we can't describe it at all. It simply means that words can't fully describe the greatness of God's gift. We can touch at the edges. We can uh, use words, uh, flowery language. We can write poems, but they will all fail to fully exposit the reality of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. As words are unable to fully describe the joy of a newborn baby or the beauty and grandeur of a glorious sunset or landscape, even more so words can't fully describe the greatness of God's gracious gift to us in giving us his son, Jesus Christ. Although words can't fully exhaust the fullness of the gift of Christ, words can help us to begin to understand something of the greatness of God's gift to us. And for this, I want us to look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. So Paul has said it's an indescribable gift. In 9, 15, well, in 8, 9, he describes it. So what he means by that is you can never get to the bottom of that well. It's infinitely deep. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Let me pray quickly. Lord, we pray that you would teach us this morning from your word. Show us this indescribable gift that you by the inspiration of your spirit, have disclosed to us. And may our hearts grow in gratitude for what you have done and how rich we are. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. The first thing I want us to see this morning is that the Son of God exchanged indescribable riches for indescribable poverty. The Son of God has exchanged indescribable riches for indescribable poverty. The Son of God was truly rich, was he not? Indescribably rich. Think about the riches of the Son of God, equal with the Father, fully God, possessing all power, all knowledge, in need of nothing. One of the ways we say that someone is wealthy is we say that they are a man of independent means. We're saying that they are not dependent upon anyone for their survival. And this could be said of no one more completely than the Son of God. He needed no one and he lacked for nothing. This is the doctrine of God's aseity. That he is totally self-existent, self-sufficient, and lacking nothing. And this aseity or self-sufficiency belonged to the Son of God and belongs to the Son of God. That, my friends, is real wealth. Is it not? To be in need of nothing and have everything. Beyond that, the Son of God had all the wealth of heaven. 
Think about that. We have grand descriptions in the, in the Bible about heaven. Descriptions that include great inconceivable amounts of precious metals and gemstones. Descriptions of grandeur and glory. Angelic beings singing unending praise and waiting on their creator hand and foot. Ready to do whatever they are commanded. Beyond all these realities, the Son of God enjoyed the riches of fellowship within the Trinity. The joyous riches of intertrinitarian love. Jesus said in John 17, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. Before the world was, before anything was, God was. And God was existing in a trinity of loving relationships. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Needing nothing. Well, God created the world because he was lonely. Created you and I so that he could have relationship with us. Baloney. He didn't need anything. He wasn't longing or pining for us. He was completely satisfied with himself. Lacking in nothing. The son of God who created all things also sustains all things. He owns all things. And this one who was so rich became poor. For our sakes. Philippians 2.6 says, Who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, the Son of God, became poor. What were the circumstances of his birth? He was born into poverty, a pregnancy cloaked in mystery, a scandal, a father who is a common carpenter, his mother, a very young, unknown village girl, a difficult government-mandated trip in the final stages of pregnancy, no room in the normal sleeping areas, a birth where the animals were kept, his first cradle, a feeding trough, followed soon after by a narrow escape to Egypt, where Jesus spent the first few years of his life as a refugee. These were the circumstances surrounding the Lord's birth. He was rich, yet he became poor. And his poverty only continued. Forsaken by friends, rejected by his own people, taking on himself our sin, dying on the cross the death that we deserved. Jesus gave it all. He gave of himself entirely. All of this is what it means that Jesus, though he was rich, became poor for us. And why did he do it? In order that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. That's the second thing and final thing I want you to see this morning. We who are indescribably poor have been made indescribably rich. Through Christ's poverty, poverty, this was the only way for us to leave behind our own poverty. We're all born into a state of spiritual poverty. We're bankrupt spiritually. We are in debt to God. And there is no way we can pay that debt off. Not in a thousand lifetimes. We would only amass ourselves more and more debt. The more we live, the more we sin. The more we sin, the more we owe. We were alienated from God. We were spiritually blind. Even the good things we did were like filthy rags. And we were headed for a debtor's prison 
in hell for all eternity. But Jesus became poor that we might become rich. On the cross, Jesus paid our debt, securing for us eternal riches. What are these riches? Well, that we become sons and sons and daughters of God and therefore heirs and co-heirs with Christ. God gives us all we need. He freely gives us all things. If he, if he who gave, did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also freely give us all things? We become rich as a result of his saving work in that we have every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Christian, this is your inheritance. This is your present possession. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're further made rich in that we will come to share in his glory. When Jesus returns, we're going to be like him for we will see him as he is. We're going to be transformed. We're going to lose this, this fallen humanness, this sinfulness that resides within us even after we're Christians. The Lord's going to transform us and make us like him, sinless, perfect, glorified. We've been made rich. Christ exchanged his riches for poverty so that through faith in him, we might exchange our poverty for his riches. This is the indescribable gift that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the great exchange. Our sin for his righteousness. Our poverty for his riches. Have you exchanged your poverty, your spiritual poverty for Christ's riches? By trusting in Jesus Christ. Friends, no better day to do it than Christmas Day. Jesus is God's gift to you if you will receive it. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Christian, do you realize the great exchange that has taken place in your life? That your poverty has been transformed into indescribable riches in Christ Jesus. Church, do you have reason to give thanks today? Yes. Amen. May the Lord today on Christmas morning and every day hereafter continue to grow us in gospel gratitude. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatest gift of all, the gift of your Son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your service to us. The, though you were rich, you became poor. So that through your poverty, your suffering, your death, your substitution, we might be made rich. And how rich we are in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for the riches you have lavished on us and the riches that yet await us in glory. We long for that day, and so we pray, Maranatha, our Lord, come. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.